have questions about our church, we want to be able to answer those questions for you. So if you could take a few moments to drop this, uh, actually fill it out and then drop it off. And the box right in the back there, as you head out the doors, you'll see a box, it's our offering box. But these connection cards also go in there. And I also want to remind those of you, all of us really, that the back of this is for prayer requests. Every Wednesday night, we come together as a church and we pray over the needs of this church and also many needs that you have dropped in here that aren't even from this church. But we believe in the power of prayer and we want to see God working in every situation. So if you have a prayer request, you have the ability here to make it confidential for leadership only or to make it for the church so that we can put it out here, we put it up here on the altar. Um, on this side over here, we pull those cards and every one of us pray over those cards on Wednesday nights. But we want to believe with you. We want to have faith with you. But the thing that you're praying for, the thing that you're believing for, will happen. But we need to we need to know about it so that we can pray for it. We want to be able to pray for you and encourage you in that way. I also want to just remind you that on October 17th, we're doing a combined service at 11 a.m. Now, our normal service start time is... So if you think it's 10.15 or 10.30, but it's 10 (laughs) o'clock, on this particular Sunday, October 17th, it is going to be what time? 11. I want to be sure that we're all together. We're going to be a combined service with Freedom Church. They're going to come down here. We're going to join together with our worship teams. We're going to, uh, Pastor Paul and I are both preparing our message to preach together. And uh, we're looking forward to a great time. Then after service, this is the reason why we're doing it at 11. After service, we'll be at Pick Rose. And so we're going to enjoy some of that and have a great time together, have fun, bring your favorite chair. You know, we can sit in and we can, I'm sure there'll be some yard games and things that we can do together while we're uh, together at that, at that time. I also just want to remind those of you who are students or no students that are in 6th to 12th grade that this Thursday night will be our anchor student ministry. So that starts at 6.30. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I think there were a dozen. We're getting around, around 12 kids to that, so that's pretty good. You know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take more, but that's a good start. So I want to encourage you to come out for that. This morning I'm continuing this series. We've been talking about moving to one thing from another. Or moving from two, I should say. So we're moving from one thing in our lives to something different. You know, every part of our lives, we have transitions, we have changes, we have things that, that move along in life, and we move from one thing to another. And so each week, we've been talking about some different factors of things that we want to move from to. This morning, the message is from distracted to focused. Right, how many of that just hit you? From distracted to focused. We've all been there, and we were talking about this morning during our prayer time, there's ups and downs with this. None of us are victorious over this area of our lives 100% of the time. We have times where we've lost focus. We've had times where we've been very focused. In one scene of the movie Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, it's a man, uh, Kevin Costner plays Robin Hood, and there was a young man who was taking aim in an archery contest, actually he was taking aim at a target, and Robin asks, can you shoot amid distractions? Can you shoot amid you shoot amid distractions. Just before the boy releases that string, as he's pulling back, just before, he takes a feather and pokes him in the ear with it. And that arrow just goes and shoots way above the target. And after the laughter of everybody around that that kid that was trying to shoot, made Miriam stand behind Robin and said, can you do that? Robin Hood then raises his bow and he takes his aim. 
Maid Marian then leans beside him and flirtatiously blows in his face. The arrow misses the target, glances off the tree behind it, and barely misses a bystander who is there, an innocent bystander. And of course, more laughter. Distracted. When we think of distractions, they come in all types. We can easily get distracted from everything that God is calling us to be and do. And in our world, in this day and age, distractions come quite often. They can be social media. Distractions can come in the form of extracurricular activities. Distractions can come in the form of cell phones, because why do we have work in our pockets at all hours of the day? It comes in the form of entertainment, news, politics, sports, hobbies. These are things that can take a lot of our time every week. And none of these in and of themselves are bad things. But whether they're painful or whether they're pleasant, the result is the same. We miss God's mark because we're constantly distracted by the things around us. We miss the target. We're distracted. We're very busy. We're constantly going on the go with very little margin on our lives. That's why we talk, this is why we become, like I talked about last week, the religious people with the Good Samaritan, the religious people that walked on by the man who is left for dead in the road. The religious people walked on by, but the Samaritan stopped and helped. Why? Because we're busy. We're much too busy to help that person in the world. And these distractions keep our eyes on the now. We miss out on what God is trying to do through us for eternity and for eternal purposes that will outlast this life. Today we're going to, be talk, we're going to talk about going from distracted to focused. This takes us to a passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 we're going to read today. We're going to start with Hebrews 12.1. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture about focus. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, sometimes we all need a little encouragement. There are three things this morning that I want to focus on to live a life of endurance, to live a life of significance, to live a life of focus, a life that makes a difference. And the first thing I want to talk about this morning is to hear the fans in the stands. Hear the fans in the stands. Do you know that there are people in the stands right now cheering you on? That there are people that have gone before us. It says there's this huge cloud of witnesses. And these people are cheering for you. They're cheering that you hear God's purpose and His call. They're cheering that you move forward. They're, they're cheering when you get up, when you get kicked down. They're cheering when you finish the race. They're cheering through all of it. Listen to that roar. Think of the roar of a crowd in Gillette Stadium when a touchdown happens, especially if it's against Tom Brady. <laughs> Think of the roar that's going to happen. 
in that stadium. Well, those are the people who are cheering you on. Those are the cloud of witnesses, of people who have gone before you, of people saying, good job. And when you get kicked down, get back up. Get back up and continue running. Don't stop. We finished our race, but we're cheering you on because we want to see you finish that race. This was meant to be an encouraging scripture for all of us, for all believers, that God is calling us to just get back up every time we get kicked down, to get back up again and continue in the race. And the way we can do that is we have people who are cheering for us. Not only those that have gone before us, but we have people right here in this church cheering for you. Cheering that you uh, follow God's purpose and call for your life. This huge crowd of witnesses. Why? Because Satan would have us believe that we're in this alone. That we're by ourselves. And that no one can help us. No one understands. We are completely and utterly lonely. But this reminds us that people have gone before us. That there are people encouraging us, cheering us on. We are not alone because many have finished their journey and they're cheering us on this morning. They're cheering us on this morning. Picture a relay race where the witnesses that are cheering for you right now are the ones who had already finished their race. They had already passed the baton. They were done. They crossed the finish line. They were done with their race. And now they're cheering on their teammates. Now they're cheering on those other followers of Jesus. Now they're cheering us on to continue in the purpose and plan that he has for our lives, just like they gave their lives for that same purpose and plan. You see, there is a race to win, and we will need to keep going if we want to gain this victory in life. So the first thing we need to do is recognize there are fans in the stands cheering for you. There are fans in the stands right now cheering for me and cheering for this church, and cheering for Freedom Church, and the churches down the road, and all all Cape Cod. There are fans in the stands cheering for us. And the second thing I want to get from this passage is we need to throw out anything causing resistance, anything slowing us down. Hebrews 12.1, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. In a world of so many distractions and so many things coming at us, so many things that can get in the way and trip us up along the way, distractions happen when we do not pay attention to the most important things. This means we're giving our attention to things that are not as important. Paul describes us as weight. Anything that makes you slower, Anything that causes resistance. Do you think that burden you're carrying is going to slow you down if you're trying to run with it? Do you think that extra weight that you're carrying on your shoulders will trip you up? Do you think the things that are put in your path in your race that you don't see will trip you up and make you fall? So my question this morning, and this is a question that only you can answer, Something I want you to think about today is what is the weight? What is the burden? What is the problem? Or what are the problems? What is the sin that holds you back from the things that are most important? Maybe it's how you see yourself. 
I'm no good. Nobody likes me. Maybe it's negative talk and conversation you have about yourself. Like, this always happens to me. Maybe there's a battlefield going on in your mind where you think that God could never forgive you. I'm not good enough. Everyone else is better than I am. Or maybe it's the blame game. It's my boss's fault. It's my spouse's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my family's fault. These are the weights designed to slow you down and hold you back. These are the weights that, as you're running your race, will continue to drag behind you and knock you over from time to time. You know, weights are great for training. What do you do? If you want to get stronger, what do you do? You lift weights. If you want to build muscle, you lift weights. If you want to run faster, you might put weights around your ankle to strengthen your legs, to give your legs the drive that you need to go faster. Weights are great for training. They're great for developing endurance. They're great for making you stronger, for creating the resistance in your muscles. And all the things we just listed are learning experiences. Why? Because we often build our strength. We often build our resistance. We often build our endurance through the trials, through the weight, through the things that we carry. But there needs to be a moment in time when you take off the weights from your ankles, when you throw the weight from your shoulders, and you run freely to win the race. You see, athletes may use weights for training, but they wouldn't dare or even dream of wearing them in a race. Not if they wanted to win. They don't want anything holding you back in that race, right? That's why you train. That's why you've gone to exhaustion. That's why you've worked your muscles so hard. And there's something else that keeps holding us back. Not only the the burdens and the things that we carry on our shoulders, and we try to run with it. Ever try to run with just something heavy that you're trying to carry? Or try to go in a rush? Maybe it'd be a box or something else? You're not going very fast, are you? No matter how fast you run. But sin holds us back as well. Sin trips us up. You can run for a time, but will eventually tumble and fall on your face. And sin will hold you up every time. It will slow you down. And that sin can come in many forms. Lying, cheating, stealing, gossip, uncontrolled anger, jealousy, envy, addiction. See, sin results in this great divide between us and God. It becomes the thing between us and our relationship with Him. And sin results in this divide between us and Him. And instead of running to Him like we would in the race, we run away. We run the wrong direction on that racetrack. Sin causes us to beat ourselves up. Causes us to feel condemned. To hold us back. And we create our own prison. And the only way out is to run to the arms of the one that can forgive our past, that can take the weight, that can take the shame and the guilt from our shoulders. But as long as you hold on to that sin and guilt in your life, you're running a very slow race. You're running a race where you're going to get tripped up time and again. What happened if, if you got to the finish line of that race and Found out it was the wrong race all along. And rather than winning a, a prize for finishing that race, you 
You win all the hardships, all the defeat along the way. Instead of the prize, you get defeat. So this can be fixed. A relationship can be restored to God. You have the opportunity to talk about that a little bit later. But there are things this morning that are fooling you now. And sometimes those things are even good things. Sometimes those things, in the eyes of everyone else, are good things for us. But these things may also be the very reason why we stay so busy. It makes us feel significant, needed, wanted. Or it keeps us from dealing with issues. As long as we're busy, we can't think about our own lives. We can't reflect on where we are. We can't reflect on the areas that God's trying to smooth out in us, that God's trying to work in us on. Some of those things are good things. In the scriptures, it talks about the temptations of Jesus. I believe that every one of those temptations represents our desires as people. Satan said, one of the first temptations, make these stones into bread. Is there anything evil about bread? Some of you may say, bread on a diet, you're saying low-carb diet, or staying away from carbs, maybe. But is there anything inherently evil about bread? Is bread a bad thing? No. It's not a bad thing. That bread represents food. It represents provision. It's a good thing to provide for your family. It's a good thing to provide food and the things that they need. Of course, that's a good thing. See, God knows what we need, and he knows that we need these things. But he also knows that we will eat today and we'll be hungry again later on today. Or maybe we'll be hungry again the next day, and the next day, and the next day. It's something that will continue. As long as we're on this planet, we will get hungry again. Like the woman at the well. He said, you're going to get thirsty again and again and again. That's what's happening here on earth, on this planet. And certainly we have needs while we're here on this earth. But there is eternal value. We look to eternity. Is there eternal value to making food, bread, provisions our primary focus? Our primary thing? Because we live in a nation where more, more, more has become a dangerous game. Matthew 6, 19-21. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Don't store up treasures on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Even Robin Hood, the prince of thieves, cannot steal his treasure. Verse 21, Wherever your treasure is, there, the desires of your heart will also be. You see, we can find ourselves living as if this life is all that there is. But God has set eternity in our hearts. And we believe that this is not all that there is. That there's a life that happens after this, that goes into eternity. And we see the next temptation. Drop yourself from this high place, this pillar, and the angels will catch you. Who's this representing? It represents risk. See, people are looking for a high. They're looking to take a little risk. 
That's why people jump out of a perfectly good airplane with nothing but a parachute on their back. This keeps them from, this parachute supposedly keeps them from becoming just a slap on the earth. Talk about a life of faith. I would think you'd have to have a lot, a lot of faith in that parachute to throw yourself on a perfectly good airplane. Am I saying that it's wrong or simple to take a risk? No. We can take steps of faith. We also seek God in the process as we take steps that are risky. But thrill-seeking can become an ultimate thing for people. Right? We've seen this in our world. We're seeking the next thrill, the next high, the next climb, the next jump. Always looking for something more. Maybe something faster. Maybe something that can go higher. There's this constant need for more, looking for risk, looking for that adrenaline that comes by doing it. If you're going to attempt something risky, as a pastor, here's my recommendation. Do something risky for God. When I came here five years ago, Labor Day weekend, it was five years, it was a risk. We took a risk. On a church that said, we can't pay you much, but can you move your family across country from Chandler, Arizona, to Cape Cod? We took a risk. There's a risk that we prayed about. It's a risk that we believe God was calling us to take. God ordered every step along the way, our household in a day, and next thing you know, we're here. Hope restored was a risk. It was a risk that came at a time where we were all looking as a board, we were looking at each other going, I don't know if this is the right time. This is still in the pandemic. How can we start this store and get these things coming in and, and sell it so that we can give money to organizations all over our community? We've given over six, we opened in April, we've given over 6,000, probably close to seven or 8,000 now and since we've opened. We're continuing to give money away to community organizations that are doing great things. But it didn't seem like the right time to start a story. We had more questions than answers. But in every month that's been open, we've not only met our expenses, but we've been able to give to organizations that are feeding the hungry, give to organizations that are helping our veterans, give to organizations that are helping families who are going through Alzheimer's, Give to organizations that are doing great things here in our community, helping families in crisis. We've been able to be a light, but that was a risk, though. If you're going to take a risk, take a risk for God. Take a step of faith and believe that God's going to keep you there. And you know what? I, I told the board this even one pastor we doing even if it falls to the ground and we fall on our face and it ends up being a mistake. I would rather have it be a mistake and fall flat on my face than to do nothing. I would rather take the risk and fall on my face than to do nothing. I'd rather fall on my face doing something. Take a risk. You see, Satan told Jesus that if he would, the next temptation, if he would just bow down and worship him, that he would give him the kingdom of world. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give it all to you. Look at the world. This is going to be yours. That's all you have to do is bow your knee 
And this one seems the most obvious no-brainer. This is the one thing you don't do, is you don't worship Satan. Of all things we know, you don't worship other gods or other things or Satan. But the reality is, is that when we make food or the things that we need or more stuff, the primary focus of our lives, we lean towards worshiping the things that we give the most attention to. When we make thrill-seeking and risk the primary focus of our lives, we tend to make that our little G God. And when we make the things of this world the ultimate in our lives, we are bowing down and worshiping the gods of this world with the promise that we will rule it, that we will rule our own world. When we think about going from distracted to focused, winning athletes do not choose between good and bad. Winning athletes choose between better and best. So what do we need to do? I want to encourage you this morning that we have fans in the stands cheering for us. We need to be encouraged that we are not in this race alone. The fans in the stands bring back the adrenaline. You know, when you're a player on the field, I played high school football, which is a long time ago, but I did play high school football, and the crowd was cheering. And it was a moment where a big thing needed to happen. There was some adrenaline that happened in that moment. It gave you a boost in that moment. And we have fans in the stands cheering us on. It should give us that boost, that strength to continue to endure and then we throw off what's been slowing us down. We throw off the weight. Let the weight fall off in Jesus' name this morning. Whatever that weight is that you've carried into this place this morning, let it fall off in Jesus' name. Whether it be the thoughts that you think, whether it be the burdens or sin, it's time to cast it off and to run freely, to be free from the weight that continually holds you back, to run like the wind again. And the last part we get from this scripture passage, and the most important part, is to keep your focus on Jesus. To keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 3 through 3. says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Other translations will, see, will say the author and finisher of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. In our world with so many distractions, the way we counter all the things that can distract us is by keeping us and keeping our eyes and keeping our focus on Jesus Christ. The champion who initiates, the champion who is the author, the champion who finishes our faith. He will be there at the finish line of our lives. He is the author, he's created you, he's made you, he's made your story, and he's going to use your story. And it's our focusing on him that we are saved. When we focus on Jesus, we learn to trust. When we focus on Jesus, he releases his power in our lives. This increases our faith. And then it enables us to run a race with endurance. When we focus on Christ in the finish line, we see victory. Some of you might remember an old gospel hymn. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior. It's victory in Jesus Christ. Not 
your own strength or ability. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look back. You know one of the worst things you can do, I ran track, one of the worst things you can do in a race, no matter how far you seem ahead, is to look back. It's in your looking back that Martin was the race. It was most prevalent in the race that I ran, which was the 400-meter dash, and we all had our lanes. And I don't know if you know how it works, but they have to stagger because the outer lanes are actually longer, so the outer, it seems longer anyway, and the outer lane has to be far, far ahead. I remember racing in that outer lane, and the gun goes off, and you're, I'm, I'm way ahead of everybody, you know, I've, I've got this, I'm going to beat everyone. Next thing you know, as you start coming around that last 200 meters, everybody else starts catching up and starts just going right by you. You can't relax. You can't look back. You can't look back in that race. Because if you look back at where everybody else is, if you're trying to look at where everyone else is, you're going to lose your race. You're going to get tripped up. You're not going to be focused on winning the race and getting across that line. But keeping your eyes on Jesus at the finish line, the things of this world begin to lose their value. And we have an eternal perspective. Hebrews 12, 2 says, because of the joy of winning what was that joy that waited him? What was that anything here on this earth? He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. See, this gives us an eternal perspective because of the joy that awaits you, and because of the joy that awaits me. We leave behind our earthly focus to make the things of eternal value more important. And we strip off every distraction that keeps us from holding kingdom values. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Listen carefully to what Paul is speaking to the church in Colossae. Verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Anybody been raised to new life with Christ? Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Listen closely. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Set our sights on Christ, the author. And the finishing of our faith. My encouragement to you this morning is hear the fans in the stands cheering for you. Throw off the distractions that have been slowing you down. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And if you do these things, I believe you will move from distraction to focus. And focused on the things that matter to God, keeping internal perspective forefront of our lives. I have an assignment for you. You look on the sheet, if you had a, a bulletin when you came in, you can see on the back sheet. And this is how I want you to, to kind of think through this message this morning. Is anybody that needs one of those? Thank you. You see on the back, and you can do this even if you're watching from home and you don't have that, that bulletin. 
But there's two lists side by side. And in the first column, you'll see you're going to list the most important things to God and to church. In the second column, you're going to make a list of things that distract Christians from the most important things. At the bottom, you'll write down some practical ways to shift your focus from the second, the things that are the distractions, to the first, the more important things in our lives. And there are things that are in those second lists that get taken care of when you focus on the first things in your lives. Then I want you to think about it. Pray with what are you doing that you don't need to be doing? And how can you shift your priorities? How can you go from distracted to focused? This is a way to really think through the message this week, to go from distracted to focused. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you that your word is an encouragement to us. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We thank you that your word is living and active. And I pray that this morning, that your word would settle on our hearts, that we would be encouraged by the people that have gone before us, that we would be strengthened, and that we keep our eyes on you in this race that we call life, that we, we, we would be tripped up by the burdens and the sin and the weight that we carry on our shoulders. But this morning, I pray, Father, for the release of that burden, the release of that weight in Jesus' name. We're praying that today, and we're believing you. And Lord, I thank you that we can keep our eyes and our focus on you, and that you can bring us to life, and we can reshift our priorities so that they're about the things that are important to you. Continue that work in our lives, Lord God, as we continue to try to be more like you. Now this morning, you may be listening and you're here in this room, or maybe you're watching online. You've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. But you're ready to take this very important step. Maybe you've walked in this place or you're watching online and you feel this heavy weight of sin and shame on your shoulders. And you feel it continually pushing you down, continually keeping you back and holding you back from winning this race for life. Or maybe you've gotten to the finish line of your race and you've realized that it was a long race all along. And rather than winning, you've had great losses in your life along the way. Jesus Christ can redeem your past. He can forgive your sins and help you to change and live a life of purpose. He can lift the weight on your shoulders so that you can move freely once again. He can give you a life filled with love and and all you have to do is ask and receive him into your life. The Bible calls us being born again. Being made new, being born again. Getting a fresh start in our lives. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ or you need to renew that relationship, today is the day. And I'm going to ask you to say a simple prayer with me this morning. The words aren't important, but what you say that's coming out of your heart is very important. Say, Lord, I believe you died for my sins. And today I'm giving my life over to you. I'm giving my burden over to you. I believe you rose again. You died on the cross. Please forgive me of my sin. Make me new right now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
If you prayed that prayer this morning, please let us know. Either in the connection card, there's a box that says, I'm interested in, actually says, giving, I am giving my life to Jesus. Whether it be a first time or you're renewing that relationship, if you can take a moment and just check that box off. You fill this out and put it in the box. Or if you're watching online, if you can put it in the, in the chat on the side that you gave your life to Jesus Christ this morning, we want to encourage you. This is a church that tries to encourage you, and that's what we just talked about. We are the fans in the stands, right? For one another, aren't we? We're the fans in the stands for one another. We want to be the fans in the stands for you in this new journey that you've taken that step forward. I also want to encourage you if you have a smartphone where you can download an app called Version, and there you'll find your search for this, and it says First Steps for New Believers. And I want to encourage you to go through that devotional so you can continue to grow in your faith. I want to encourage you, if you're local, to, to drop by at 10, 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning or 11 a.m. on if you come on October 17th. <laughs> uh, or if you're not local for your church, it's teaching God's word and become a part of it so you can continue to grow in your faith. Man, the congregation stand this morning. All throughout this message and all throughout preparing for this message, there's a song that continues to go to my mind and many of you know by now that I often have songs that go to my mind as I'm preparing messages. The song this morning is simply, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. Turn Thank you.